On this Air Check episode, our guest is veteran radio personality and Atlanta's 97.1 The River's morning man, Steve Craig. Steve shares with us his connection to the Ramones, from sneaking into their show at the Whiskey in L.A. to a New York City street corner encounter with Joey Ramone's brother, Mickey Lee, plus his times at Atlanta's 99X that included a confrontation with Courtney Love. Let's go. Welcome to Air Check. Season 4, a podcast about radio's personality from radio personalities, managers, consultants, owners, and your most humble hosts from Philadelphia, Rich DeSisto and Paul Kelly. I'm Rich DeSisto. And I'm Paul Kelly. This is the first of a four-part series with Steve Craig. Steve is currently doing mornings at Atlanta's 97.1 The River. It's his second time around in that market as he shares with us his involvement with the legendary 99X. This had been an actual emergency. The attention signal you just heard. 99XXX. White zombie! Gee, I'm kind of thirsty. Shall I get us both a drink? Okay, but hurry right back because I think the show is starting soon. 99X. WNNX Atlanta. Steve also explains his love for the Ramones, stemming from his first Ramones concert he snuck into at the Whiskey in L.A. to a radio bit called The Wheel of Ramones that followed him from 99X in Atlanta to New York's WRXP. Come to find out it was the first time they'd ever played the West Coast. So I'm kind of a big kid and, you know, they they weren't checking IDs or anything, so I snuck in. And a little confrontation he had with Courtney Love of the band Hole. So she calls up our radio station and gets a hold of our program director and she's just screaming at Leslie Fram going, who is this guy? I'm going to go around and I'm going to kick his ass. I'm going to kick, I'm going to be there like in two days and what, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to, and she's just, you know, literally going to come at me with knives. Ladies and gentlemen, here comes a guy who never dropped a cassette into a recorder to record his own show. This ought to be great. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> please put your hands together for Steve Craig. <laughs> I was so good. I was so good. I never had air checks from PDs in my entire career. Well, at least a few of them anyway. Uh, we're going to kill you today then. <laughs> yeah, former program directors right here are ready to air check you, Steve. There you go. <laughs> so, Steve, we are very excited to have you as a guest on Air Check. We are in season four, and you are our second morning show radio host. Uh, Paul and I are aware of the other roles you've played, and we're real eager to hear those stories through your years because it's all about the stories, right? Us radio folk have our own unique spin on the normalcies and abnormalcies of the business. Not just stories from in the studio, but also out in the crowd, so to speak, with our listeners and sometimes with our heroes. And your tales cover a bunch of those headlines, and one in particular is a time that you snuck into a rock concert to see the Ramones. Now, was that your first concert? Talk about how that went down. The, fir- the first actual concert that I went to was Beach Boys Chicago Santana, and that was Anaheim Stadium in 1976. And that was like a big, giant show. You know, you didn't, you, their band was far away, whatever. Uh, but my girlfriend at the time said, wait, I'm going to take you to a real concert. Because she was about a year and a half, two years older than me. And my 17th birthday was coming up. And she says, okay, I'm going to take you on a, a little birthday, John. And so she took me to the Whiskey in Los Angeles. And there was this band called the Ramones. Hollywood at the Whiskey on Sunset Strip. Let's bring on the Ramones! 
come to find out it was the first time they'd ever played the West Coast. So I'm kind of a big kid and, you know, they, they weren't checking IDs or anything. So I snuck in and then all of a sudden here's these guys all dressed in black leather or whatever. Uh, you can get up, you know, pretty close to the whiskey and there wasn't a whole lot of people there, but it was just a scary crowd. So I kind of held back a little bit. But as soon as they started off, it was like, uh, hey, how are you doing? It's good to see you on your West Coast. Yeah, we're on Mars. Yeah, two, three, four. Hey, what's up, boys? I know a lot about baby. You better shut it up. What's that about? And then it, just, it was just like an onslaught. And you can literally feel the vibrations coming out of the speakers. And it lasted about a half hour. Uh, their set was, I think, 35 minutes long. They must have done maybe, I don't know, 15 songs. <laughs> but it was just like one after the other. And at, at, when you're a, at just a teenager, you're just going, oh, my God, this is really going to piss off my parents. This is insane. And I immediately went out and you know bought the, the first album and, and became a... a I became a, a rock and roll snob after that. I, I got into punk rock and started collecting punk records, and and it was all downhill from there. <laughs> and it seemed to make an impression on you because uh, yes, you know, yes. you you do a feature on uh, your radio show. That's I, I guess that's uh, or you did a feature on your radio show when you were at the uh, the infamous ninety nine X in Atlanta, and uh, yeah. the, the the Wheel of Ramones. Talk a little bit about that, and and was that <laughs> concert the uh, impetus of of this feature? It was one of those things where uh, being a big fan of the Ramones, uh, you know, since you know, way, way back then, uh, I had all the records, had all the albums. And a lot of people would say, well, actually, I had an argument with with uh, one of the guys at our, at our station, uh, Axel, Axel Lowe, because uh, I always complained that the uh, the hair bands that he liked and he liked Poison and Def Leppard and Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses. I was like, yeah, they all sound the same to me. Uh and he says, well, you know, like the Ramones, they all sound the same to me. It's like, okay, that's, that sounds interesting. So I thought, okay, well, we can pretty much play any Ramones song, you know, uh, at the station. We had, you know, a lot of uh, leeway at 99X to kind of do what we wanted to do with our own shows. And so I thought, okay, well, Wheel of Fortune, let's put, just put a whole bunch of songs from the Ramones up on a wheel and spin them. And wherever it lands, we'll play that song. And I got the um, uh, the audio done, and we built that, and it stuck with me for about 20 years or more. Hey, kids, it's me, Joey Ramone, here from the famous Ramones, and we're going to see you all at the 99X Big Day Out Festival. So be there. Wheel of Ramones didn't just live in Atlanta. You eventually went to New York City and were part of uh, New York's Total Rock Experience 101.9 RXP. Yeah. Visit the Rock Experience 1019 RXP.com. Listen live online on iPhones and on Blackberries everywhere. Rock Rock 1019 RXP. And the Wheel of Ramones ended up in New York City. How did that uh, fare? I thought that was the, the perfect vehicle for it. And I talked with my boss at the time, Leslie Fram, and she was, of course, our boss at uh, 99X. And I said, what do you think about the wheel of her? And before I could even say that, she goes, yes, yes. And so uh, on the show at the time I was doing uh, midday. So I just started throwing it in uh, at random times during the show. And I love New Yorkers. It was such a fun time being up there. So the, the people were awesome. The fact that we were playing rock and roll in New York uh, when they told us it was never going to work there and it worked and we actually were very successful with it. Uh, as soon as I started doing the wheel of Ramones, they, everybody was calling up going, hey, spin the wheel again, spin the wheel. And so we were doing it like sometimes twice a shift we were, we were doing this. And it just it's just theater of the mind is, you know, what we all end up doing. Uh, but the interesting thing is uh, I was living uh, in Forest Hills, which is the hometown of the Ramones when I moved to New York. So I'm um, walking down the street one day. This is about maybe a year into the station. 
So I'm walking down the street, going down to the bodega to get myself a beer. And there's this guy, a tall, skinny guy, and he's dressed a little rock and rollish. You know, he's got the hair a little bit, and he's he's literally leaning on a lamppost, reading a paper. And I'm walking by, and I look at him, and I kind of recognize him. And I look at him, and he, and he, you know, puts the paper down, he looks at me, looks, whatever. And I thought, like, you know, okay, fine. So I walked in, got, you know, went to the store, and he was coming back up, and he's still standing there. And so I looked at him again, he's reading the paper, and, and he goes, do I know you? And I went, you're Mickey Lee. And he goes, yeah, who wants to know? He's just a typical New Yorker guy. And because I, I you know, knew that he was active in the, uh, the local music scene there in New York. And it's uh, Joey Ramone's little brother, Mickey Lee. In fact, he wrote uh, a, a book. and There's a movie coming out, I think, uh, later this year uh, called I Slept with Joey Ramone. It's his autobiography or his biography about uh, you know, his life growing up with you know, his brother and the Ramones and everything. And so uh, I, I walked over and I introduced myself and he goes, you're not Wheel of Ramones guy. <laughs> Wheel of Ramones. Every single song the Ramones have ever recorded, always right here on our wheel. We're gonna give it a big spin. See where it goes. Gabba 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 uh, so I thought that was like a nice little feather in my cap for, for, for New York city, you know, that I got to know, uh, Mickey pretty well. And he lived just like literally, uh, two or three, uh, apartment, uh, structures down from me. So we struck up a nice friendship and, uh, got a lot of insight into, uh, uh the Ramones and Joey and the family and everything. And I ended up hosting the, uh, Joey Ramone birthday bash that they did every year there to raise money for, uh, his, uh, namesake leukemia foundation. These things have been a tradition for him, these birthday bashes. And while he was in the hospital, we were kind of getting the ball rolling for men. Hopefully he was going to get out, but we promised him that we would have a 50th birthday bash regardless. And he said, no matter what, you're going to have a party, right? And so uh, we promised it. That was a lot of fun. And, and it, it kind of got me a little bit more immersed in the, uh, uh, the I wouldn't say seedier side of New York, but, the, but the, the, the underground rock and roll scene in New York, which was, which was fun. And I got to meet a lot of people through Mickey. Air Check, a podcast about radio's personality. From Radio Personalities, you're listening to Season 4. Catch up with Seasons 1, 2, and 3. Available now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also tell your smart speaker to play AirCheck Podcast. Well, obviously, being in New York and being on the New York City radio dial is a pretty big deal for anyone in radio. But 99X in Atlanta, a pretty impressive brand in its own right. A great history for the Atlanta market that you are pretty much part of the entire run. Talk a little bit about 99X, your fellow air staff, and all the fun you had down there. I'm sure there were some remarkable moments. There was. Uh, I w- when I when I was got there, uh, maybe 90, it's late 91, 92. It was still power 99. Land of the free. The Braves, WAPW, Atlanta, GA. So it was still top 40 station, flame throwing and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but they knew that there was a change coming. So uh, Sean Demery, who was a very, very dear friend of mine, I'd met him back in 1979 in our uh, old Fresno years, the late Sean Demery. We lost him, sadly, about three years ago. And we had worked together in, in, in various markets in our career, and we kind of followed each other. We, I, I actually followed him 
so he was there at Power 99 and he said, hey, you know, we got an opening here um, that's coming up for, you know, for nights if you if you want. And I said, sure. Yeah, any opportunity to work with you? He says, we may be changing format soon just to let you know. I want, what, what do you think? He said, we may be going rock. We're, you know, we don't know. They're talking about it because, you know, the ratings aren't that good, whatever. So, so I came out and it was Power 99 and I was the big Watusi for uh, about six, <laughs> six months or eight months. How do you spell uh, that? <laughs> B-I-G. <F. laughs> uh, the big Watusi, W-A-T-U-S-I. Um, I actually still, I still have my, my Power 99 Letterman jacket that says big Watusi on the front, but um then about six, eight months later uh, is when uh, Nirvana's Smells Like Teen Spirit hit. And we had a show at night, which was called On the Edge. Will Pendarvis was our uh, night jock. New Rock 99X, that's Nirvana in bloom. My name is Will Pendarvis, and um, tonight, an incredible, incredible disc jockey will be on the radio. A person I have a lot of respect for, a person with... Wit, and so we were kind of showcasing that stuff just charmed. at night. And I knew a lot of this just from my background in punk rock and new wave and all the stuff that I was doing in the eighties and Sean Demery, the same thing. We all knew this music. So we were like bringing stuff from home going, Hey, you want to you want to try this, try this as the older stuff went, but the, they were playing a, a lot of the newer stuff that was, that was coming out that was considered alternative at the time. And the show was just so popular that they finally pulled the trigger and said, we're changing format. We're just doing this all, all the way through. We're definitely changing. Shall we count it down? Three, two, one. And now for posterity's sake, this is the last time you'll hear this. Introducing 99X. Caution. This is the big one. Is anybody out there? 99X. Because 91X was doing it very successfully in San Diego. Of course, there was um, K-Rock in L.A., and they were having a lot of success. And so we just pulled the trigger and never looked back. And the good thing about it was we had um, a GM who let us do pretty much anything we wanted to do within reason with what we wanted to play. It all got filtered, of course, with, with our programming people and the music director, but it was a free-for-all for a while. And I was still doing the late-night show. And we had a couple of the holdovers from the top 40 element. And one of the guys, we were playing Candy by Iggy Pop. And he and he'll remain nameless because he's still kind of a friend of mine. Uh, he gets on there and he call and he introduces it as Iggy Pop. <laughs> and out the door he went. And then I came in and, and then I jumped into middays to take his place. And I was middays at 99X for 17 years. I pretty much turned the lights off when they were done. Well, 99X in Atlanta was uh, just a tremendous uh, radio station. Uh, folks that are inside the radio industry knew that as one of the uh, stalwarts around the country. It's just one of the big alternative stations as that music was budding and coming out in 1992 oh, yeah. and 93. That must have been so exciting for you to be there as a part of it at the launch. And the people whose careers were just starting to take off, you got to meet and see. And oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a tale that you even uh, had a tangle with Courtney Love somewhere along the way. Yeah, uh, Courtney was was a very interesting person. Um, I had a chance to see her actually perform live. This is one of those great little promotion things we had at 99X, and it was the Molson Ice Polar Beach Party. Beyond the Arctic Circle. Beyond the tree line. Beyond experience. 
Molson Ice Polar Beach Party. Labor Day weekend, 1995. With Metallica and Hole. Also appearing, Veruca Salt and Moist. Tuktaaktuk, Arctic, Canada. Get up there. And the whole deal was, hey, we're going to fly listeners up to the uh, above the Arctic Circle and have a concert. So Molson, Molson Ice thought that was a great promotion. So uh, we had listeners and myself, I got to fly up there too and escort our winners. And they had this big concert. So we fly in to, you know, took a couple of hops on these you know, long flights and they had to fix uh, literally skids onto this DC-8 or whatever to get us into this little town. This little town called Tuktoyaktuk was the name of the town right on the Bering Sea and just out of nowhere. And this is where they were going to stage it. So we get off and, uh, and get everything all situated for the concert. Come to realize that Tuktoyaktuk's a dry town. Oh. So somebody from Molson got fired pretty much ever this whole thing. But apparently the only person who actually got a hold of alcohol at the concert was Courtney Love. Of course. So <laughs> she started going off on she's on stage going because because the, the town was invited for this and the town, you know, they're, they're just the indigenous population, the Inuit up there. And they're looking and watching and kind of going, what the hell is going on? And she's going, what's wrong with you, Eskimo? Eskimo fucks you fu here and fuck to yak, tucky tuck fuck. And, and she, oh, she's just going <laughs> off. And it, it's just like, wow, this person's just absolutely nuts. And Metallica did a show and, they, and their, their concert was great. And then we got the hell out of there. But um, then fast forward as Courtney Love and her band Hole were you know, getting more popular, uh, there was some inner band turmoil. So on the air, I was doing a news story, kind of, you know, just like a little, little, little you know, information story that I found that uh, Eric Erlinson, I believe one of her, one of her uh, uh, bandmates was leaving. He announced that he was leaving the band. And it looks like, you know, Hole might be breaking up or whatever. So Hole's manager lived in Atlanta and I forget his name, but he called Courtney and said, is Eric leaving? You know, whatever, is your band breaking up? And she went, no, who said that? And it went on and on and on, apparently on their phone call. So she calls up our radio station and gets a hold of our program director. And she's just screaming at Leslie Fram going, who is this guy? I'm going to go around. I'm going to kick his ass. I'm going to kick, I'm going to be there like in two days. And what, you know, I'm going to, I'm just going to, and she's just, you know, literally going to, going to come at me with knives. So it's like, sure. Come on. Yeah. Come on down. So anyway, she, she did, she actually showed up and they set it up as like a little bit of an interview uh, in the morning. And so the morning show was doing it kind of a, uh, maybe like a nine o'clock thing. So it was going to go into my show as well. And so Courtney's there and she's just completely strung out on, you know, whatever. And so they tried to do a little bit of the interview. They tried to talk to her a little bit. And I never came up the whole, she had no idea why she was really even there. So we, they started doing a little bit of an interview. And then all of a sudden we get a call to evacuate the building that there was a bomb scare Wow! And right in the middle of their interview. And so I said, this, you know, is this a drill? Cause we're, we're on the, you know, the seventh floor of a pretty big building. And they said, no, this is, this is legitimate. Somebody called it and there, there's actually a bomb threat. And we thought, does it have something to do with Courtney? And I, I, they don't, they don't know what it was. <laughs> so anyway, so we literally had to evacuate the entire building. And then apparently there, it, it, it got out that we had to evacuate. And so that we had to put on some emergency tapes or whatever. And so the morning show, the morning X, and that was Leslie Fram, Steve Barnes and Jimmy Barron. And they literally had to, you know, we all had to leave. And so people heard about it. And so then 
listeners started coming to the station going, hey, I think Courtney loves outside. And <laughs> this went on for probably about two hours. And the interesting thing is all of the uh, whatever was in her bloodstream started to kind of, you know, fade out a little bit. And she turned into one of the nicest people that we've ever talked with. She was talking with the listeners. She was signing autographs. She was just being wonderful with, you know, with her fans. And then she was talking to me a little bit. It, the whole news thing never came up. Uh, she just basically said, hey, yeah, thank you for playing my music. Thank you for playing uh, Kurt's music. And blah, blah, blah. She, just, she was just being really, really nice. And then um, one of the guys who was on the morning show, Rich Schertenlieb, uh, and he's actually part of Toucher and Rich up in Boston now. Uh, okay. They're doing like sports talk and, and they're just just kicking royal ass up in Boston. But Rich certainly used to be in a local band. And that's how I met him in Atlanta. Uh, and then he ended up being one of the morning sidekicks. But he's a musician. So he had a guitar with him. So he and Courtney, you know, once we got back up and the interview was over, she was still there. And they went back into the production room and started writing, you know, and started like recording a song. They were going to do like a little acoustic song. And so they started working on some stuff and they actually came up with a cool song. And I, I, I forget what the name of the song is, but it ended up part of that song being on one of her albums later on. And then there was a little bit of a lawsuit between Rich Schertenlieb and Courtney Love saying, hey, you know, I wrote that song for you <laughs> and you took it from us. So, but that was another issue with uh, between Rich and Courtney. Now, you got to wonder if that bomb scare was connected, right? We'll never know, but the stories I keep hearing about Courtney Love, man. On our next episode with Steve Craig, part two of four, Steve relives the day of the Olympic bombing at Atlanta Centennial Park, July 27, 1996, as 99X was broadcasting live from the event. His move from 99X to a new radio station in New York City, WRXP, and a drinking contest he had with Kiefer Sutherland. Every episode of Air Check is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us to be alerted when new episodes are released. You can also tell your smart speaker to play Air Check Podcast. If you haven't done so, give us a great rating. We'd also love to hear from you on our Facebook page, Air Check Me. This is Rich DeSisto. And I'm Paul Kelly. We'll talk to you soon. Closing out another episode of Air Check, a podcast about radio's personality from radio personalities. If you have radio stories to share, we'd love to hear from you. Join the Air Check guest list. Email aircheckme at gmail.com. Musical props are Chris Gordon's. Announcer props, I'll take those. Greg O'Brien, the OB. Air Check is available now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also tell your smart speaker to play Air Check Podcast. Air Check is the creation of RDPK Productions.